Hey everybody, you are listening to Canary Cry Radio, and it's me, your best buddy Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 157. We've got a great show today. We're hoping everybody has continued to enjoy the Canary Cry Radio episodes going out every couple weeks. Thank you so much for everybody who's sent in their notes and their comments and their excitement about bringing uh, Canary Cry Radio back. I think it's pretty clear that we need to find a permanent way uh, to keep this going. So we're going to be looking at ways to do that. And remember, what makes that possible is the participation by our producers in the value for value model. If you listen to Canary Cry News Talk, you've heard me yell about it for years now, but uh, the value for value model truly is the only way that Gans and I are able to do what we do, mainly because the idea of taking any sort of corporate money just seems wrong for what we do and what we stand for uh, and, you know, what we believe the Lord is doing in the world and with Canary Cry. Uh, So, value for value model, just simple, simply means if you get value from what we do, you can put value back in. And not just can, but it really is uh, the knowing that the we the people vibe of independent media needs to stay alive and you know, is at risk. The encroachment of corporate money on independent media has wreaked all sorts of havoc, and we're seeing the effects of that here and there and everywhere. But when listeners of uh, Canary Cry shows realize that the shows just wouldn't exist, it's just a moment to consider, to ponder, What is the show worth? What does the show bring to your life? And then uh, put your own number on that. And then you can support the show either financially or with your time or with your talent. So many ways to do it. And we want to just make it clear this isn't a threat. Not a threat. This isn't a threat. It's just making it clear that the only way to continue uh, doing these Canary Cry radio episodes is if production is produced so you can either send us an email at canarycryradio at gmail.com let us know you want to get involved in keeping the show alive or you can go to canarycry.support where you can find all sorts of ways to keep the show going one exciting way to do that is by supporting us through the supply drop Yes, if you if you haven't been a news talk listener, you don't know about this probably. But the Canary Cry supply drop, it's one of the reasons why we even made it through 2022. And that is because when people decide that the show or all the shows together, whatever it is, are worth $33.33 per month. Yes, I know, big spooky number. You know, we're having we're having fun mocking the uh, the 33 uh, sort of messaging number and things like that. So anyways, this is just $2.77 uh, per episode uh, across the board. And if uh, you decide that the Canary Cry verse is worth that to you, um, go to Canary Cry Supply Drop com sign up because for the next three quarters of 2023 we will be including physical dvd copies of age of deceit that's right gonza's 
seminal work in 2011, Age of Deceit, uh, Fallen Angels in the New World Order. An incredible documentary that has touched so many lives, uh, millions upon millions of views, and yes, it is Gonz's life work that will forever overshadow anything I'm ever able to accomplish, but what I can do is print DVDs and send them out. As you know, we're not in the business of retail, and uh, Agent Deceit is increasingly hard to find online. And the way things are going on the internet, it's not going to get any easier. So the solution to that is a distributed network of Canary Cry agents who uh, hold in their hand the physical DVD copy of Age of Deceit, one two and three that's right a new dvd in each shipment and uh we're very excited about this one of the most common emails we get is people asking where they can get their hands on a copy of age of deceit and you can't it i know it's unfortunate uh but this is a great way to do it you'll be keeping this show alive as well as receiving awesome gifts now it's not just the dvds we also you know send out super cool apparel and gear and we've sent out uh, gmo free seeds for your garden uh all sorts of really cool stuff uh is being shipped around the world for supporters of the show and you could be too uh, so if you're interested in getting your hands on all sorts of cool canary cry gear as well as dvds of the age of deceit series uh, go to canarycrysupplydrop.com and sign up canarycrysupplydrop.com sorry about that big pitch there folks but we do have a very exciting show today an interview with really graceful that's right you know her you love her we talked to her back in 2017 episode 120 vlogger to truther with really graceful and really graceful is a such a wonderful person if you follow her work uh just delightful but also incredibly effective uh, in so many ways to what she's been called to and uh if you haven't feel free to go listen to episode 120 uh, vlogger to truther with really graceful but you're gonna love this one uh we did pre-record it well of course you're listening to the podcast so it's pre-recorded uh but we talk about her new book the Deep State Encyclopedia. You heard that right. We'll talk all about it, so I don't want to t- say too much about it, but it's an incredible resource for anybody paying attention to what's going on in the world. In fact, so incredible is it that uh, Gans and I had had a similar idea and felt a similar calling uh, to create something like the Deep State Encyclopedia, but of course, like so many of our good ideas, we did not execute. So we're so happy, we're so grateful, and not jealous at all. That, that really graceful did it it's an incredible undertaking uh and such an important piece for anyone who's just trying to pay attention today and has a uh, a commitment to truth so there you go go check out the deep state encyclopedia by really graceful and um we'll give you some links at the end of the show uh, and let's see is there anything else to know before we get into this i'm not sure there is I think you're just gonna like it. Okay, here we go. Episode 157 with Really Graceful. 
What is the dangerous and murky deep state? Here's my plan to dismantle the deep state and reclaim our democracy from Washington corruption. I think the very definition of the deep state is when the intelligence communities withhold information from Congress. The deep state. Mr. Speaker, I rise today in support of the select committee to investigate the weaponization of the federal government, something I have a lot of experience firsthand. I proudly served as the 52nd Secretary of Interior, and despite the deep state's repeatedly attempts to stop me, I stand before you as a duly elected member of the United States Congress and tell you that a deep state exists. This is not some cabal that was hatched in the dark of night. This is something that hides in plain sight. I said this, in your judgment, is the big story of our time. It is the big story of our time. It is, I would say, the red thread that runs through the history of the last three decades. She graced us with her presence nearly six years ago in July of 2017, when at the time she had 65,000 subscribers and 9 million views on YouTube. Today, the channel has grown to nearly 400,000 subscribers and over 35 million views. In addition, she joins us today having just published a 437-page book that fulfills a calling that Basil and I have certainly had over the years. We were just too lazy and disorganized to make it happen. A book that definitely needs to be part of every truth seeker and researcher's personal collection of sources and documents. It's titled The Deep State Encyclopedia, Exposing the Cabal's Playbook. From the 9-11 attacks to Yuri Bezmenov, the book covers in alphabetical order the many arrows in the quiver of the New World Order elite agenda inspired by an ancient spiritual hate that informs willing human participants the schemes of control over society. Putting on the full armor of God and exposing evil, we're thrilled to have back on the show. That's right. Yes. Two-year-olds excited, too. Our sister in Christ, Grace, from the Really Graceful YouTube channel. Grace, welcome back. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. So fun. So fun. Uh, like Gon says, it's been it's been years. It's been a few years, uh, but it's been really uh, rewarding to watch your channel grow, to watch you continue to work, and especially to uh, have you follow up you know it's it's pretty rare when someone actually answers uh the call to create uh, some sort of uh, i don't know massive uh, intellectual literary work like what you've done uh with the deep state encyclopedia so for that i thank you you know it's one of those things i'm i am both uh impressed and disappointed in myself and <laughs> proud of you for doing what you've done. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The book was definitely an endeavor to write, but mm -hmm. I wanted to accomplish it because in the face of this censorship that we're all experiencing right now, I wanted to put it all on paper, get it out in print. That way it couldn't be erased from the internet because when I started doing all this research back when I was talking to y'all and 2016, 2017, um, 
you know, I would catalog all of my notes and make references and bookmark pages. So years later, I go back to look at that kind of stuff and the news articles are gone. Mm. The blog posts are gone. Everything, the pictures, the videos, everything is gone. So I, um, that is, it's 1984 level disturbing to me. Um, so I wanted to put it all in one book and that's what I set out to accomplish. And, um, you know, it's something for everybody. Like the book is something for people who know nothing about conspiracies and those who think they know everything. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for the and, copy, by the way, it's, um, I've been scrolling through oh, this yeah, thing and it's, it really truly is a great kind of handbook to have. Just, and you know, whenever you're doing research, see if the topics that you're looking into are mentioned here. And uh, yeah, how many actual topics do you go through in the book? I think, I think over 150. Actually, let me look. Hold on. That's yeah, I almost started counting <laughs> and I thought, you know, I'm just going to ask her because I, this is a, a very long list, about two, three pages worth yeah. uh, listed here of 440 something pages in total. Um, right, now, 450 pages, and I think almost 150 topics. Wow, that's incredible. Now, my copy has not yet arrived, but from what <laughs> Gans has told and showed me, uh, it really is sort of laid out like a resource book or a handbook or a encyclopedia, if mm-hmm. you will. Right? It's it's uh, it's much more of a resource type of publication than it is you know the ramblings of a mad woman uh which is (laughs) which is a really impressive and b probably the best way you could have done it thank you that's just Uh, me giving you ramblings of a mad woman might be to come that might be volume two (laughs) after i end up writing all this because researching all these topics at once and compiling them together i'm not going to say it sends you into like a it's not like a great depression, but it is kind of like, oh, you oh. know, you're talking about Waco, you're talking about Ruby Ridge, you're talking about 9-11, all in one, <laughs> all in one breath yeah. one day. And um, so, but uh, I put together the book to navigate a lot of the conversations that we have at our dinner table, like with my in-laws or even my parents and friends and stuff like that. Um, because those of us who are just waking up or maybe not so awake, but have questions, you can, I wanted something where you can take it over to your family and say, here is, here's what's going down. And here is irrefutable proof of what's happening. And here's the source list as well. Mm. Yeah. The sources, that's, that's a big part of it. Cause anybody who is involved in simply paying attention, like I don't even call it uh, conspiracy theories, really. It's, it's just paying attention. If you're paying attention and not, uh, you know, being, believing everything you're being spoon fed, there's a lot of different topics that connect together and when you're talking to someone as you often do and you're trying to tell them even if you're not necessarily rambling on about maybe a crazy conspiracy theory you're just trying to you know reference the connection between oh i don't know the the intelligence community and uh overseas bio labs or something whatever uh those types of things if you're in the community 
you have those sort of built in references. Um, but when you're talking to somebody who is not sort of uh, keeping an eye out for things, there's just so many levels of explaining you have to do just to uh, get out a simple <laughs> get out like a, a, a simple idea or even reference a historical fact. Um, and so this encyclopedic encyclopedic nature of what you've done is, again, truly, it feels like a godsend resource, uh, especially for people who are having these conversations with uh, their friends and family who may not have any uh, touchstone or anything yeah. to thinking outside of the nightly news. And, you know, that's something that we've always been passionate about is not just, hey, what's going on, but also, hey, when you're talking with someone and you're having the experience of trying to share these things, uh, how do you deal emotionally and intellectually with with basically a, a baby? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, I there's been so many conversations in the past and we're not I don't, I'm not really a person who gets into heated arguments with yeah. people or anything. But when you're trying to just explain your stance on perhaps why, you know, when you're talking about the latest whatever's going down, whether it's like Christian schools and can we say the can we talk about that? Uh, the shooter at the Christian school and yeah. stuff like that. You can talk about the uh, source references about the agenda behind the trans agenda and connected to transhumanism and uh, lack of empathy and um, how it's the new religion and the new jihad and sort of stuff like that. Like right. you can connect it all and maybe not sound so crazy <laughs> if you have something to point yeah. to and say it started here. It's all very old. There is nothing new under the sun. And this is what we're seeing play out on the world stage right now. And here's why. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I appreciate that you have, you know, the longest, and I didn't go through everything here, but some of the longer uh, entries are like two pages, two to three pages, maybe. And there's a lot of subhead headlines within uh, certain, within each topic. Um, and that's really useful because you know, people don't have each one of these topics can be a whole book. It could be a whole documentary series. You know, there's so much to uncover, but if you can just distill down the main takeaways from each topic and then provide the references, this is brilliant. You know, this is really useful for people that are not just new, but you know, need to have that talking point real quick. You know, I'm reading half a page on yeah. chemtrails and I can have a conversation about it. So, um, oh my gosh. And especially in the context of once again, sharing uh this information with sort of the uninitiated or whatever the one thing that has become a huge joke uh to everyone really is first of all if you say want to talk about chemtrails or something uh what people end up doing and maybe because they have to do it i mean there's no other option or whatever is sending someone a link to a two-hour youtube video or something like that to kind of get the full scope. Uh, and nobody's going to do that. I don't do that. You know, we, I don't watch, <laughs> I don't watch videos that Gons sends me, uh, you know, like it's just too much for me personally. And somebody who is not even interested in the topic is not going to sit down and have, 
you know, two hours to kill. Or if they do, you know, it's a I would say it's a rare occasion and they're going to be filled. There, there's so many barriers in between internalizing some information uh, from a YouTube video because you get distracted by production quality and is the person's voice annoying or what are the down to the thumbnails of like, is there a more interesting video in the thumbnail of YouTube? Uh, is there there's so many reasons uh, why, you know, the traditional it's kind of weird to say uh, that sending somebody a YouTube video is more traditional than a book, uh, but it really uh, it really has become like um i don't know the most uh uh viable way uh, to share and preserve information yes for sure and i know exactly what you're talking about when someone sends you a video and it's 45 minutes long and maybe they touch on a lot of good points but i really need i, I for me i need you to get to the point somewhat quickly because <laughs> I don't have all day to learn about this. I will listen to videos on twice the speed or something like that. But the book that I created is definitely a reader's digest version of these topics. Um, but it is also a lot of stuff that I couldn't talk about on my YouTube channel mm. um, as far as vaccines and right. eugenics and mm. things like that are concerned. And of course, you know, the, the uh, Babylonian sort of uh, Jewish angle as well, like the Calergi plans and stuff like that. Can't talk about that on YouTube. So put it in book form. Yeah. Cause that was one of the questions I had was, uh, for, uh, obviously congratulations on such success with the youtube channel and i think you're you must be 12 or 13 years in at this point with the channel it's been a while um so i mean thank you i i started my channel back when i was 21 years old and i'm 31 now wow. so i'm 10 years into it but i stopped doing like the i had a, a fashion internship that i did videos for you would go around campus and film people yeah <laughs> and one be like what are you wearing and <laughs> Stuff like that and put it um, on on YouTube. And that's pretty embarrassing, but I kept some of those videos up. Uh, but then I came back to YouTube several years later after working in the medical field for medical marketing. And I started freelancing and doing video on the side. And I got really interested because I had so much free time after quitting my cubicle job. <laughs> I started looking into George Soros and uh, making videos about George Soros. And then, of course, Pizzagate and then the whole rabbit hole of stuff ever since then. Right. Yeah. And I was going to ask you how you were able to sustain a presence on YouTube uh, certainly Basil and I are just, I don't know if we, we just never learn or Constant what, but battle. we, should, we just continue battle. to, uh, no, I hated to see your channel taken down. Yeah. You had some, you said you had some big hits there. Like with the, I remember your like Mark of the Beast video, Nephilim videos. They, they were bangers and I'm sad to see those go. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to get choked up. Uh oh, um, he's choking <laughs> up. <laughs> no. uh, now you, you've done that. it. No, no, no. I, I, I appreciate that. There is an archive out there, face like the sun dot live. Odyssey did preserve a lot of that, and I appreciated that because Odyssey also timestamped the date, the the original date of publishing. So that that's nice. So I can look back and say, oh, I published this in mm -hmm. 2014. This video, and there's five views on this Odyssey page. But I promise there was 
200,000 on YouTube, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, um, yeah the, I think in, in, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense that I talked a lot about transhumanism and based on where things are going, I, it just, there was just no place to have that conversation, I guess, you know, in the 2020s leading up to 2030 and all this stuff. Um, but so you'd mentioned a couple topics that you avoided talking about on YouTube. Uh, did you kind of uh, succumb to the self-censoring? Because I know that that's a thing that people were doing where they're like, I, I saw a lot of YouTubers say, you know, the thing that we can't talk about that thing that, you know, the ouchie yeah, ouchie thing. It's so lame. It's so <laughs> lame. Yeah. Um, well, my strategy on YouTube, you want to know my strategy and maybe I'm going to say this and then get removed from YouTube <laughs> two seconds later. But um, I don't put, first of all, first all of all, I don't talk about no, I do, but I don't use SEO tags at all. I don't tag my videos at all. And then I ramble with a intro for a minute where I don't use any specific keywords. And then I say it in a really sweet voice. So whoever is monitoring the YouTube video, whoever reviews it is like, okay, well, she doesn't have anything to say. And <laughs> so I do a lot of that, but um, I don't know. There's, I feel like, when you got pulled, it was, they were coming down with the hammer way harder. Like there are eras of YouTube where the censorship is way harder. And yeah. if you can survive those and perhaps not talk about certain subjects, like, and I, that sounds so lame to me and I actually yeah. absolutely hate it. Um, it's, not the reality. About certain, yeah, it, it's the reality. It is the reality. Of reality. It. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, cause um, we've gone through so many different iterations of, I don't know, uh, attachment to being on YouTube. Cause on one hand, you know, we did, I don't think we found ourselves necessarily censoring ourselves, but you're definitely thinking about it and you're using words and you're kind of having to code, you know, you kind of fall into coding things uh, code words and code phrases uh, to right kind of try like to... i can't say covid i have to say the coup sure, and i can't yeah. say vaccines i have to say schmacks yeah and stuff like that. And i don't want to i don't want to do that and and you know we got some criticism for that because there's this idea that you should just be like fearless and let them ban you it's a it's a badge of honor and we're like okay okay and then we do start getting banned and the people who are telling us that it was a badge of honor didn't follow us to other to other locations <laughs> they just stayed right stayed on, on YouTube. youtube yeah the place where they were telling us that it's uh, cool if we get kicked off and then of course uh you know it's it's sad that youtube is sort of the one place where people refuse uh to get off well maybe it's not the one place but uh, uh you know even the most die-hard anti-censorship people will be like if their youtube notification doesn't go off then they're not finding you and they are not right. looking for you and they you know that kind of stuff so sadly it is simply the truth of the matter that um you know getting your youtube kicked can be a, a pretty debilitating uh thing to happen now thankfully i'll say that uh if, if you can take the time and it takes a lot of time Take the time to build up, you know, on another platform, then you can weather the storm. But uh, it really is goes to show the effectiveness uh, of the sort of uh, uh, elite censorship mechanism uh, that I think maybe they had something to do with making it uh, a badge of honor 
and then you know uh, maybe a little psyop be, yeah yeah mm. then having it be no, very everyone effective. says it's such everyone says it's such a badge of honor it's like okay well you're not doing this <laughs> and you're not gonna follow me over to bit shoot or odyssey or subscribe to my newsletter but um still you're cheerleading this but gons do you think that part of why you got booted off the youtube is because you told things from a christian perspective uh, I think so. Yeah. And, and I did play into, a, there were certain words, keywords that I probably in hindsight, it was, it was my own little rebellion and it probably didn't work out for the best. For example, I made a video called the real virus and it was talking about mm-hmm. sin and not COVID, but of oh, course, right. <laughs> uh, of course it got, you know, it got deleted and, and, you know, a big strike on the channel and everything. So uh, you know, it's just one of those moments where it's like, okay, I, I, you're, you're right. I probably shouldn't have used that word virus. Like any word virus, it has to be about COVID and it has to be about the world health organization's view on co- whatever I talked about sin. Oops. Sorry. You know? So yeah, I think they are targeting Christians and, uh, it, but it depends, you know, because there are some Christians that have gotten really big in the last few years. Um, and that are sort of, I don't know, they, they seem to be more, uh, just Bible study channels, you know, they don't really talk about what's going on with, with the world event type stuff. Um, so maybe, you know, th- it is a curation, so, but at least they're still allowing that. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Uh, as time goes on, it's possible that, you know, anything that's related to Christianity will be labeled something like Christian nationalist, radicalized, you know, radicalized American right. domestic terrorism or something like that. Um, which, by the way, that leads me to a, another question, because as I was going through the list, I was trying to be honest with myself and say, do I know about this topic from the book, the encyclopedia, the deep state encyclopedia, or do I just know, you know, know it as kind of a topic, but not know much about know it of it or know of it? Yeah, there's there were a few things in here. One thing that I definitely did not know. And Basil, I think you'd be interested in this as well. Maybe you knew about it. The Wajiki sisters. Do you know about the Wajiki yeah. sisters, Basil? Yeah, they're the um, the the uh, creators or the directors or whatever of the Matrix, isn't it? No, that's the Wachowski. That's the Wachowski. <laughs> it is, the, it is no. near the Wachowski the, uh, now sisters, once brothers. Yes. yes. Okay. Oh, so you're talking about Susan Wajiki. Susan Wajiki. Yeah, her. Oh, family. I didn't know there was a sister. There was a sisterhood. Yeah, there's about a page and a half on it, and yeah, I had no idea that there was. Of course, there's a Stanford yep. connection, but uh, yeah, what, what's uh, what's the summary on the Wajiki the, sisters? Okay, okay, the <laughs> the weird sisters. They all they all look absolutely identical, by the way. But mm. there's Susan, CEO mm-hmm. of YouTube, who has just stepped down, um, allegedly stepped down. So I guess that just leaves YouTube to liar. Cohen, the mm. tall Israeli guy who's in charge of the, like the, all the music stuff. Mm-hmm. Not totally sure. But then you have Ann Wojcicki, who is in charge of 23andMe, the DNA collecting uh, company. Mm-hmm. And she was that. married to Sergey Brin and um, wow. Sergey Brin of Google. But Ann and Susan both rented out their garage in Menlo Park to the Google creators, Larry Page and Sergey Brin back in whenever. And um, of course, like the origin stories to everything, always very humble, Menlo Park, just renting out a garage, Mm y'all, and nothing to it. 
Um, and then there's Janet Wojcicki, who is like the vaccine Bill Gates arm of this dynamic trio. And she's over in Africa giving out inoculations to African children. Oh. And doing the whole epidemiology thing where she's researching why certain um, groups like why why Latinos aren't as um, easy to sway with vaccine propaganda as Caucasian people are. Right. She's doing that kind of re- research, which is just perfect. Wow, that's crazy. That makes so much more sense why uh, YouTube was sort of under the influence of what it was. You know, and that's those are the c- kind of uh, connections that are super valuable because, of course, we all know that the government uh, was sending you know, communicating with big tech in order to censor and things like that. And you wonder, well, why wouldn't big tech just say no? Or why wouldn't they uh, fight back a little bit? And you're like, well, it's probably because of money. It's like, yeah, okay. It's all right. Probably because of money. But to learn that Susan Wojcicki has a sister who is directly participating in the types of things being censored. It's like, of course, of course, that's uh, that certainly helps the case. Yeah, right. Uh, It's like and I I wanted to say that 23 and me has that designer baby patent. Mm -hmm. So they are collecting everyone's DNA under the guise of. You know, finding out where you're from, are you 20% European or British or whatever, but actually they're using your DNA. You're actually the product, not the customer sort of situation. Um, And they're using your DNA to probably, you know, build up this whole DNA database um, to pin whoever to a crime, of course, where they collaborate with police to build up this whole DNA database and they... They normalize and propagate it and and make everyone really excited about it by saying, oh, we're going to find the Zodiac killer today mm-hmm. and everything like that. But but actually, the um, kind of insidious implication here is that your DNA is so specific to you and your family that they could theoretically cre- be creating like a like a. Um, bioweapon according to your DNA, which is what Israelis were trying to do back in the 1990s with the Arabs. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, the, um, of course, 23andMe has a a business connections with China now. Um, I don't know the exact legal details of that, but that was a big, uh, big disaster. Um, Of course, one that anybody paying attention could have said was going to happen from the very beginning. Uh, But I think the timing of 23andMe is very interesting in the context of the identity politics movement. You know, 23andMe, you're talking about what, maybe early teens, early 20 teens is when it sort of got started and started to gain steam. People were giving it as Christmas gifts. Yeah, yeah. you know, and sort of stoking this obsession with race, you know, from the Mm -hmm. very beginning, you kind of see it as a a, a sort of insemination of obsession with race, making it a cool, fun thing to know your exact makeup, because who would have known just a couple years later down the line, 2015, 2016, that your, you know, uh, genetic makeup 
would start to become the most important detail about you that you can use to either weaponize or victimize uh, or know your place in society. Yeah. uh, Because because now you know what's in your blood or whatever. Well, well, California, Newsom is rolling out the whole uh, reparations thing for uh, black Californians. Oh and, yeah, and part oh, you of that know. will be that, you know yeah, there will you be got, a twenty three and Me marketing campaign to prove uh, yeah, you, just how, do you how prove black you were are descended from just a slave. Just give us your DNA. We'll run it through the system, and it will let you mm. know. I mean, come on, and, you, and the data itself is so finicky too. It's uh, it's not it's not even correct, right? Yeah. So most of the time, it's unbelievable that they're able to establish this, and obviously, it's this is going to tie into. Everything from just a, a genetic identity situation where you can't really identify or prove who you are without some kind of genetic marker uh, or yeah. eventually the identity of the Antichrist, because they will have to somehow prove that, uh, you know, in some form of the translations or the interpretations, prove that you are aligned from David to you know be accepted. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard of the Mormon angle to all this DNA stuff? Because you know they own a bunch of the DNA testing yes. companies like Yeah, they're the they biggest used to own they have Ancestry. the biggest database, don't they? They do. Uh, but they're then obsessed. I think they're they obs- got bought out by somebody in it. Ooh. That somebody was like DARPA or something. <laughs> yeah, of course. I can't remember. I can't oh, exactly remember, but they got bought out. But it it begs the question, what are they looking for? Because you're not the customer, you're the product. Like they're mm-hmm. going through your DNA. They're looking for something. Yeah. The needle in the I wanna stack. know I wanna know what you think about this, Grace. Uh you know with the reason why I love the work that we do and why I love the work that you do is because there is a there's one level of paying attention, and that is being able to uh, dissect the details, make the connections and uncover, you know, some sort of underlying hidden either agenda or ideology or something in uh, an acute sense, you know, something in particular, mm-hmm. one one topic, whether it's, I don't know, transhumanism or or identity politics or or even down to, you know, whatever, JFK. But when you have the privilege to do this for long enough, uh, like like we have, you tend to get more obsessed and in in my case, you you sort of fall back in love with the details uh, because of the broad, long term trends and forces that end up proving the theories themselves. The example that I just gave with, uh, you know, 23 in me leading to identity politics obsession, leading to reparations, leading to, you know, some sort of uh, mark of the beast system, something like that. And when you pay attention for long enough, not only can you see perfectly how that plan was laid out and executed, but you have the links to prove it along the way so i'd love to hear your thoughts about sort of the uh, the broad scope of watching agendas unfold uh you know day by day but also year by year and being able to um see things 
truly as more of a comprehensive narrative or a comprehensive worldview uh, that once you see it happening, it's it's a it's a good uh, uh, inoculation, if you will, against the sort of pithy, petty arguments someone could have against this detail or that detail or whatever. Does that make sense? I feel like it does. Oh, thank you. I think so. I feel like I have an example for you. I love it. Perhaps, and you'll be able to tell me if I got this right oh, or not. Oh, please, yes. But um, specifically, if you follow these timelines, these narratives, these theories throughout history, like we look at the Federal Reserve, for example, mm. and what they're trying to usher in with all of this um, debasing our money off of the gold standard. Mm -hmm. And then it's, you know, back to nothing, of course, but it's back in the, the respect that we can use it, um, as a means to trade goods and services confidently. We're like the default currency of the world because of we deal in dollars to buy oil and a lot of trade throughout the world. Mm. Um, so you have this whole, WEF, World Economic Forum, Agenda 2030 angle, where, um, you know, we're going to get this one world currency mm. and it, it will um, essentially take America out of the front runner, like not a world power anymore. Mm -hmm. and so they've totally annihilated our currency over the years to have it backed in nothing. And now we're witnessing play on the global stage. Um, the de-dollarization of the world and the introduction of this CBDC, um, which is at its heart, a control mechanism. And at its heart, what they predicted back in with Agenda 21, mm -hmm. Agenda 2030, mm -hmm. and the objectives of the WEF, which is the whole surveillance system the um and nations without borders so it unites us all <laughs> we're we're um we're all we're almost together with the cbdc right they are announcing it for july the federal reserve and of course they're in charge of it and um and everybody has fallen into lockstep as far as the countries are concerned every single day five more countries sign on to de-dollarizing their economy because the Federal Reserve, a parasite on our on our country, has totally bankrupted us essentially. So we're we're just watching that play out. I does that answer your question? Absolutely. I mean, did you ever think I was talking to a normie uh, just the other day and uh, you know, I was sharing with them what we're seeing in the news with uh, countries all over the world, especially South America being sort of the most surprising, um, moving away from the petrodollar, moving away from American interests and directly, explicitly aligning with China's, uh, you know, sort of de-dollarization agenda, which is being very elo eloquently, elegantly uh, executed. And the, person I was talking to said, wow, did you ever imagine that this could happen? Did you ever think, I never thought in my life that we would see, you know, the, the petrodollar be, lose such influence in the world. And I go, you know, I, I totally empathize with what you're feeling. I totally understand. It is outrageous uh it's it's so big i mean when you talk about the 
sort of just the experience, the subjective experience as a human of coming in contact with a force or a being or something that is so big, it's hard to fully comprehend, much like, you know, Christians uh, and God or something. You know, you spend your whole life trying to uh, fully comprehend who and what God is and how God operates and the, the characteristics of such a big thing. And in the secular world, you can think of global economy as their God, of course. I mean, that's not uh, the, the most original take in the world, but uh, you can put a name on it like Mammon or something like that. That's sort of the version of God, not just because they worship it, but also because it is the, the thing in their life that is so big that uh, they could not imagine it going away or changing uh, or whatever. And when it does, the existence existential crisis of sort of uh, the, the, those types of people that is basically equivalent to like God maybe dying or God turning out to be something they they didn't expect or to the the mortality of God and uh, I said I didn't explain all this at once but I said you know I totally am uh, sympathize with what you're talking about um, but to be totally honest it's not surprising. We saw this coming. There's been hints all along the way, and people have been trying to tell you about it, and you kept calling them conspiracy theorists. Mm. And uh, it was a really interesting moment for this person. Uh, I eventually did get into the God topic, and uh, everything started to make a little bit more sense for him. Um, but... I think that's part of what a, p a lot of people are calling sort of a great awakening or something like that right now, uh, where the gods of this world, the things so big that n nobody thought they could ever change, uh, are crumbling right before their eyes. And this, this sort of global existential crisis uh, of people losing their religion of the petrodollar and the stability of the new liberal world order. Uh, and it's a, uh, I do have a little anxiety about how a mass of people like that will end up responding uh, when they experience <laughs> uh, sort of the unbelievable. And, and I mean, COVID was that too. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, we yeah. had people warning about the pandemic and not this particular one, but, uh, uh, you know, since 2012, we had been interviewing people about what it'll look when they when the pandemic happens and you go, wow, OK, that's pretty spooky, pretty cool for a conspiracy theory podcast. Uh, and then the exact thing happened in 2020, well, 2019, uh, if you really trace it back. Um and uh, after that, honestly, all bets are off. Anything can happen in my book. Anything can happen. And it's not like they've rescinded any of their control. It's not like they're like, oh, let's dial it back now. Um, maybe we're not. Well, I, I'm about to say maybe we're not wearing masks now, but I'm about to go to Costco after this. And I guarantee you <laughs> there'll be 10 people in the Costco wearing masks. I'm like, what are you wearing them for? Yeah. It's over. But the, the mentality, the slave mentality is still there. They're just waiting for their marching orders. and. Fauci recently came out, I think yesterday, saying 
that um, we will face another surprise uh, virus, another oh, pandemic. It's great. Can you just like not talk I, anymore? Th- <laughs> it's probably two years. Yeah. Two and a half years from the time he said it last time during the Trump presidency to the actual thing. Yeah. So I'm giving us what? Two years from now, this recording? <laughs> two years. Okay. The fung- the fungus pandemic is on, I guess. Yeah. The fungus. Yeah. They're really into the fungus. Uh, good, nice rant, Basil. I agree with you on, on everything there. I think mm-hmm. the, uh, the, uh, there's, there's something called the Cantillion effect. You guys know about the Cantillion effect? Really graceful. No, what's the what's the Cantillion so effect? So the Cantillion effect is this idea that the closer you are to the source of money creation, the more the more you benefit. So when they print all this money, mm-hmm. the ultra wealthy class, they get all the money, they have an opportunity to arbitrage. They get to buy stuff before the prices go up. Then the entrepreneurial class gets it and then everybody else gets a little check in the mail from the government, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh when we're talking about these alternative hidden narratives and conspiracies and you know, going back to the Wajiki family connections to Sergey Brin and all this kind of stuff, which, by the way, Sergey Brin is uh, under investigation right now with J.P. Morgan's Epstein case. He, he was mentioned yeah. he's being subpoenaed. So anyway, just so uh, greater point being, there's a lot of family connections, networks of people that run that have, they have way more power than maybe they even realize or way more influence. And that's why the spiritual component is important to keep in mind that like a lot of this is a spiritual thing going on. It's not so much of these individuals planning out the evil plan, although, you know, you can argue that folks like Soros and stuff have kind of you know, planned some things, you know, without much uh, thought for the average human. Um, but everything seems to be leading to or has been leading to this moment now when we're talking about the money and the de-dollarization in the world. I think this whole awakening thing that it, because a resource like the deep state encyclopedia is crucial right now in a time when all these things are starting to happen because people need the quick, you know, the, the quick fix in, but then also the, the opportunity to dig in deeper resources to help them understand if they want to go deeper in something, because now people are open to the alternative narratives because their whole perception of everything is being shattered. But also I would argue that it's kind of too late in terms of the actual thing. COVID happened. I think COVID happened. Part of the big thing was the economic turnover, right? To shift over the, uh, the, the death of the dollar really, I think was kind of the agenda from the beginning with uh, COVID because it forced the printing it forced the inflation it forced the fed to act with the interest rates. And now the banks having issues and then the yuan can just step in with all these other countries and start making deals. And this has felt like a long play, but it's already happening. And now that we're talking about oh, people waking up to it, it's like, Oh, great. Yeah. You can wake up to it now because there's not much we can do to change it. You know, yeah, there's, the we have strategies to try it. Yeah. The knife is already in. So in that regard, you know, and I'm not saying there's no hope, there's no opportunity to push back on these things. And, and I think, uh, that's something that we all need to figure out what to do. What do you think, Grace, in terms of what do you, you know, work more locally? Do you work with your family, your own community? What's something we can do to, you know, put things into action to actually survive these types of massive changes going on? Okay. I've been asked this several times in the last 
24 hours. Mm. <laughs> I come up, I, I come I think up with it's a on different answer minds. each time. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say, um, so have we, so we're asking you so we know what uh, to say. <laughs> I, no, I, I feel like the answer I'm going to give you is underwhelming, but um, I, you just need, you need a skill. Like you need to be learning some skills right now. Mm. And uh, whether that's gardening or hunting or I don't know, learning a trade or something. And because everyone's like, oh, well, if the dollar fails, we'll have silver and gold. But I'm not backed by like, I don't have a corporate sponsorship for like gold or silver. So I can just tell you straight up, I don't think I'm going to be in in an apocalyptic event trading silver with people. What Mm -hmm. am I going to do with a piece (laughs) of silver, like use it as a paperweight? I don't think so. But Whenever I, whenever I have this discussion with my in-laws, um, we talk about apocalyptic events at the dinner table all the time for whatever reason. Love sounds like fun, especially if there's like an EMP scenario. And she always tells me that the main goods people want to barter in the apocalypse. First, she tells me she's going to steal a, a bike. If the EMP <laughs> strikes, <laughs> she's like, I'm stealing a bike, but, um, she says you got to get some tampons and you got to get some alcohol to trade with people mm-hmm. or learn how to make your own, I guess. Um, but as far as um, actual actionable things, uh, making sure your neighbors are on board <laughs> mm, yeah. in the event of total societal breakdowns, because um, my neighbor, uh, we had like a whole plan um, when all the riots were going down in Atlanta. I live in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, by the way, but it's close to Atlanta. And so I have one close neighbor and we're on board with each other. We do like a community garden thing. We trade, we already trade. So we have that going on for us. And then on an actual, um, applicable level, can we start buying? Will this get get us on a do not fly list? Like if I start investing in the ruble, if Mm. I start investing in the yuan, am I, because I want to go to Alaska eventually. Like I want to go to Alaska. I want to fly to Alaska. I don't want to be on the do not fly list within the next two years. I'm going to go there. (laughs) So (laughs) can I start buying the ruble? Can I start buying the yuan? Because it's looking like that's going to be a dominant currency Mm -hmm. in the future. Right. Yeah, I, I asked this question on our last news talk. Are we going to be banned if we start accepting yuan on like Rumble? You know, because Rumble's getting <laughs> yeah. really all the all the conservatives and you know Republicans and right wing. They're all going to Rumble. You know, they're all anti-China, which is understandable. That that is sort of the tension between the U.S. and China as part of this whole turnover. But then <laughs> for like, hey, here's our yuan address. Is that going to is that going to cause issues? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Right. And as far as cryptocurrency is concerned, I think that diversi- diversifying your portfolio is a really good idea. Um, I know I just downplayed the whole heavy metal, or like the bullion and metal, precious metals aspect, but like diversifying your portfolio. Crypto, it has some, like it has some use, I guess, Yeah. Um, in the future. So yeah, 
there's that too, but it seems heavily tied to the dollar. Whenever the dollar goes down, crypto goes down. Then when you exchange it out, like what are you supposed to exchange it for? I don't totally, like I'm not on board with that either with the silver and crypto. I like a dark horse of this apocalyptic sort of um, <laughs> take on take. Right. But what are y'all, what's your answer as far as what to do? What are the actionables if the dollar truly falls? I actually love a couple aspects of your answer. I think the the neighbor thing is mm-hmm. totally underrated yeah that you know, is that's that's 100%. how we uh, you know we have the canary cry meetups going on all over the world and that's how i pitch it every show is like hey yeah maybe you don't need more friends right now maybe you're shy or don't want to leave your house or whatever but you should really get to these meetups because these are the people in your area who are down these are the people who know yeah yeah, they're up to speed they're of the same mind these are the people that uh uh that are going to be your team i mean i just call it straight up your apocalypse team because yeah you know that's the the number one threat and the number one asset uh in a situation like that is people um and also yeah yeah and i also i think yeah somebody's second greatest resource is their skill Because, yeah, everything could go down the drain. Gold could be worthless. Everything could be worthless. But if you have a skill, uh, then you're you at least got something to get you through. So I think those two are the best as far as, you know, prepper things go. Mm -hmm. What's your apocalypse skill? Mine? Well, yeah, what's yours? I'm currently building quite a set of apocalypse <laughs> skills. Uh, for those who have been listening to the show for uh, a while, uh, last year I went off the grid. So I'm fully off the grid right now. Um, so I installed my own solar. I've been, I've got my water. I'm doing the whole thing. Uh, and yes, I am on the internet right now, people, but there's no wires, uh, that go to the property. There's no pipes. There's no nothing. And so I'm kind of in the middle of sort of this very painful journey of (laughs) building up the sort of myriad of skills that it takes to just uh, be away from society. Uh, But right now, I'd say my most valuable skill is raising bunnies because, yeah, baby, when the when the price of meats goes to 100 bucks a pound, come on down to Basil's (laughs) Bunny Emporium. I got you covered. We got how many bunnies you want. You want two ears? You want uh, three ears? You want uh, whatever it is, you know? So that's kind of my current plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. You get more protein from bunnies too, I hear. They are the most most efficient protein source that one could could, uh, grow, I guess. Somebody told me that. I don't know if that's the case. (laughs) Good. False what about you? Who? Me? No. Really great scores. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh. What's my apocalypse skill? I don't know. I feel like I feel like when if we're forced with like fight or flight, I'm definitely I could definitely be like a voice for propaganda amongst community like local (laughs) communities. I have thought about that. That is hilarious. Um yeah, uh, I can also garden, but to an extent, I'm not great with squash or anything. Squash, tomatoes, not not going to cut it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not my personal skill set, but I can can a few things. And 
Um, I can collect seeds. Hey. <laughs> I'm a hunter gatherer. No, no, not the hunting part. I'm a gatherer and also gardening. I could definitely do that. Um, that, and definitely great. being a minister of propaganda amongst you know, the local <laughs> communities. I love that. You know what? In this age of AI and uh, everything, the, that's the one thing that uh, will always be valuable is a propagandist, a communicator is a real apocalyptic skill. Get yourself a I ham make radio. some good flyers, you know, like some artistic <laughs> flyers and stuff like that. I, that's great. I definitely could and communicate with the Amish and appeal to them in that sense Uh because I feel like they have a lot greater skill set than we do and as far as like their building creations and stuff you know they've got it going on and um oh also I can ride a horse so I can just get away real fast that's big yeah somebody's got to ride all these horses when the apocalypse comes (laughs) yeah Gons do you have uh, one in mind guitar I, yeah, I can entertain. Yeah, I can. I can play guitar and entertain. I can herd children. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, the, there's nothing really useful that I, I'm not very useful in the apocalypse. I don't think. Oh, I mean, stop I can, it. No, That's you're under. True. You're just underselling yourself. Yeah. You got it. You've but got that, it. That might be a good uh, strategy. Undersell yourself now, mm-hmm. so you're not, uh, you know, at risk when things go down. Under under promise and then over deliver when when things go down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, back on topic here. Okay. Grace, <laughs> let's talk current events. Okay. Do you current. want to do that? How how current? Sure. I don't know. Uh, here's what I'm thinking. I'm curious, is there one, there's been a lot of stuff that happened recently, and this will kind of timestamp this episode, but I think it's, uh, I think it's worth a stab at it. Uh, there's been a lot. Let's just even go what two weeks back should we go two weeks how how far should we go here uh sure what's the most compelling sort of current event uh or series of current events that sort of has your attention right now well i'm such a normie with this answer mm-hmm. <laughs> of course the trump all the trump stuff has my attention but then what is it dist- you know i'm always asking this question what are we being distracted from while yeah. trump isn't getting his handcuffs isn't getting his mugshot taken but he's doing the whole arraignment thing um what are we being distracted from what's going down and it really seems like the global economy is just making a huge shift. Mm. Um, have y'all heard the acronym BRICS? Yes. yes. Okay. The Brazil, Russia, India, mm. China, South Africa, the yep. leading yep. emerging economies of the world. It really seems like the shift is taking place now. And Saudi Arabia is the main player there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and who... Um, in what denomination of currency they're going to sell the oil. So that has my attention big time. Yeah. We just saw that France is, uh, settle yeah. with Yuan with the UAE mm-hmm. the first time, I think a week ago. So that is something we've been tracking pretty uh, meticulously on Canary Cry News Talk. So oh, I think and, we're on the. And that yeah. goes back to, I mean, like, that's huge. What yeah, in humongous. the world? I mean, yeah. the, the Trump stuff is honestly. I get it. We're following it, too. It's a big thing. It's all the American media can talk about. But compared compared (laughs) to the world's biggest emerging economies moving away from the dollar and doing business in yuan and not just 
our competitors, not just Russia and China and, uh, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia, not the ones we've been aggravated with in the past. Our friends, France, <laughs> France, our, our NATO ally Yes, yes. And Japan playing into this uh, this move to completely take uh, the U.S. off of the world stage as as the reserve currency. I mean, yeah. that is the most incredible. That is that's going to be like uh, uh, noted by conspiracy theorists of the future, much like we talk about 1933 and the gold standard and right. uh, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 1971. Uh, sorry. Yeah. 1933 is the Fed. Um, 1971 gold standard and we yeah. talk about those as sort of like mysterious ancient times where <laughs> the foundation of our world was shifted and we're living through the the ripples of history that's what's happening right now with yeah. with the petrodollar let me, it is uh, very disturbing let me play this clip from trump's mar-a-lago speech we played it on news talk but just to document it here on canary cry radio Again, everyone's focused on Trump and the indictment. That's all everyone can talk about. But even Trump said this during his speech. Our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. There will be no defeat like that. That will take us away from being even a great power. I mean, Trump's normally rah-rah U.S. dollar, rah-rah USA. Yeah. That didn't sound rah-rah. It sounds like a concerned man <laughs> like hey uh u.s is losing its power for the first time in 200 years uh yeah I, hey here we are we're living through it but we're here and you know we're 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 strong in christ i think that's also interesting because i do believe uh religion and specific specifically christianity in america is being weaponized at this time for a specific reason and i did want to ask you about that uh, really graceful because um the one of the things that I didn't see, and maybe I missed it, but I don't think you had Christian nationalism as one of the topics mm. on the no, list. No, I don't. I don't. I should have added that on there. Yeah. What are your thoughts but on the topic? Volume two. Yeah, volume two. Volume two. Got to put <laughs> it in there. Um, Christian nationalism, I think, is being attacked on all fronts. Um I believe that Christians are be, are like the new persona non grata. Like it is, mm. they are the target and they are being depicted by the media as bigots, as racists, as all, you know, all these um, terminologies they use <laughs> to, to paint the opposition. Um, and, you know, I was reading the other day, that what do y'all think as far as you know like attendance and I don't know like when I was growing up everyone went to church everyone went to church and had this really strong Christian community I went to Christian school like uh like a Christian school when I was in school then I went to a Christian college but I don't get a lot of that in my day-to-day life. Like the people I come across, people aren't going to church. People aren't talking about the Bible. People are kind of keeping on keeping it on the down low because it's almost like that's the new taboo in a lot of ways. Mm, Instead yeah. of this new religion that they're putting out in the front with um, you know, what the, the color brigade, whatever we want to call it there. 
So um, Christian national nationalism would be an excellent topic for volume two. Yeah, you know, the Christian, we talk about all the time, so I don't want to go on another rant, but it's on one hand, yes, it's entirely normal for any human being to want their government to reflect the values of their religion. That's totally normal. It's normal for Christians. It's normal for Muslims. It's normal for Jews. It's normal for hippie, crunchy, new age people. It's normal. That's, uh, you know, it's 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 hard to deny that anybody uh, would want their government to reflect their moral and ethical and perhaps even spiritual uh, standards. But the way that Christian nationalism is being depicted in the media is almost entirely a construction of the media. You know, it's uh, it's this idea where now look, we can talk in generalizations and uh, and in specifics. Specifics, yes, I'm sure there are people, there is a minority of people who, uh, you know, would, are counting on a civil war so they can take over the country and put, you know, Pastor What's-His-Face as president. Sure. But when it comes to the media and the way they are generalizing that, if you are a Christian, you want to overthrow the government and instill uh, a theocracy and take away everybody's rights is almost entirely fabricated uh, by the media in this sort of narrative to really demonize Christians in in the harshest of terms. I mean, you talk about uh, in in our earlier years, you know, t- 2001, the war in, in Iraq, the jihadists, the things like this. I mean, uh, we were coming of age during that time. And the idea of a jihad, they hate us because of our freedoms, was an incredibly powerful narrative. Well, they're just sort of replaying the same playbook, except with a different antagonist, in this case being the Christians. It's very difficult to blame a normie who is buying into the media narrative uh, who, you know, has nasty things to say about Christians. Because if Christians were the things that the media says they are, of course you would (laughs) want to kick them out or do whatever, take away their rights. It's just so effective. And I've also noticed the, the, the blatant in your face stuff with the trans community now, especially after this Nashville shooting. Mm -hmm. is truly the pain it, it is the divide and conquer it's really splitting the country into oh are you pro-trans or are you a christian nationalist you know that, yeah. that those are your choices now you know it's it, that's kind of where they're hurt trying to hurt everybody uh because of uh, it, to me it's it, the topic of transhumanism or not transhumanism transgenderism is the sort of spark to light the fire of christian nationalism the hope anyway to create this sort of jihad movement you need to have an opposition. You, you need to have uh, uh, your ideals really offended, right? To actually uh, move on an ideology. So I, and of course it's all sort of a psyop and, and I'm sure there are people who are of certain alphabet agencies that are within some of these groups that could rise out of the Christian nationalism thing, because I don't think we've seen the end of, sort of the violent uprising of groups. You know, we've heard about the proud boys and some of that stuff, but I I think they're probably trying to create a a more scary version of that as, as things progress in this country. Um, 
And of course, it makes sense. You know, you have, along with the conversation about the U.S. dollar, no longer being dominant in the world. Yeah, all the the abuses of authority of power that occurs in third world nations it's probably going to come to america as well i mean a lot of it is already here but you know in a more third world type of thing which is not good for the u.s then this is where you know we go back to have a skill you know be able to tap dance or something at the very least because uh <laughs> the apocalypse is coming but yeah your thoughts grace well, it just kind of seems like Christianity is now the counterculture, like you're a rebel if you actually are a Christian now. Um, I was actually talking to uh, a 13-year-old the other day, and she was telling me, I was asking her what school is like for her um, as far as, you know, the whole trans thing, like who identifies as trans in your school, how many, like mm-hmm. can you count in one hand? And she told me that in school specifically, it's like the divide you were just talking about. It's so mm. polarizing. She said at least one half of her middle school identifies as something other than like their God-given um, gender g- gender or sex or whatever. I forget which one we're not supposed to say. Gender is like the new <laughs> thing you're not supposed to say. I mean, this is why um, you stayed on YouTube and we got banned. I just say it and then, <laughs> you know, they're like, you can't say that. Like, Oh, okay. Um, So she told me half the school is identifying as trans or non-binary, whatever that I still don't know exactly what that means. Every time I say non-binary, I just imagine you have a peg leg and I don't know. (laughs) Non-binary. I don't understand it. But um, and then the other group in our school are, you know, like the kids who grew up Christian and identify as that and are are clinging on to those traditional values. Huh. So we're even seeing that play out in our school hallways and that's an Atlanta public school, you know? Wow. Like, so it is so polarizing and it is so deeply entrenched in our uh, mainstream media and culture that it really does seem like it's coming to a head and that they're trying to rev up the extremes, really, like what you were talking about. It Make these violent examples of both sides and forcing people to pick a side. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually, in our last conversation in 2017, we spoke a lot about children. And at the time, we were talking about some of the videos that were popping up on YouTube that were not very good for kids. And sort of shaping their mm-hmm. minds to some of these. And I think we're seeing the effects of that now as these kids who were two, three, four, five are now, what, 10, 11, 12, junior high school, going into high school, uh, right around that age you're talking about, 13. Yeah, they've been indoctrinated for years. And unless you had church or something in your life to sort of take you out of that, they, these kids, a lot of these kids grew up on YouTube and whatever was on, whatever kid shows were on and, and you know, some of those hidden agendas were scattered throughout and even some horrible things with Disney and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it, you're right. The Christianity is sort of a counterculture movement now. And it it always kind of has been, it it really, if you look at Jesus, what he did, that was his whole thing. Um, But you know, um, as we go along here, I do have a question because you have a new world order bingo card. I don't know if you call it the new world order bingo card. Uh, but oh, you yeah, do have like a, a card. yeah, you have a bingo card, and 
Interestingly enough, we also have a New World Order bingo card. And actually, oh, did you make one as well? We, oh, we have I the last couple this. years. So well, we have a producer. We had a producer. Yeah, producer whose, oddly enough, name is Grace. Yeah, her name is Grace. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you're doing some split personality thing over there, your secret <laughs> producer, or it's just an interesting coincidence. But yeah, we do and have. This a, is like prolific with the bingo cards as well. <laughs> yeah, just all <laughs> the obsessed with bingo. Ends. Yeah. So, um, uh, where did you come up with the idea? What has what have you checked off the list this year? Uh, tell us about the bingo card a little bit. Oh, well, let <laughs> me bring it up. Let me bring it up. I, I can't it exactly. Re- okay, I'll just go from memory actually because I don't know where it is. But I had on there the inspiration, of course, is all the previous years of total disaster bingos we've had. You know, we <laughs> I've seen so many variations of this card go down, and usually. The wilder your guest gets, um, the more bingos you get as well. So I had on there, what did I have on there? Oh, I had my one that Kanye converts to Judaism. Mm, I had that on there. And I think that's going to happen, y'all. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. <laughs> he, he did a whole 180. He did the I'm 180. You're right. He did the big 180 <laughs> with the Jonah Hill movie. And yeah, that's like an MK Ultra trigger, you know. You you see the the movie with the Jewish actor, and all of a sudden you're you're super pro Jewish, and you turn Jewish. Wow, that's a good yeah. one. That's a really good. One. So <laughs> I, like I had that on there. I also had. Do you know who Jeffrey Star is? He's yes, a YouTube. The he's like a YouTuber. YouTube makeup person. Isn't he? A, isn't it a guy? But kind of. I, no, I don't know what they identify. That's a different one, I think. Yeah, he's just it? really into makeup. I think right. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't really I don't know. know, what know I don't know. Either. I thought but, there was, it was a trans thing going on, but I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. I think uh, he did a whole thing. Oh. He did an entire interview where he's anti pronouns, very conservative oh. Oh, values. Right. Okay. Um, guns a blazing, actually like a pistol revolver, everything showing it in the video and um, moved out to Wyoming. So I have on the bingo card, that Jeffrey Starr will run as a conservative um, politician and announce that this year. Oh, and I think I think I'm correct on that. These are the ones that absolutely don't matter, but I think I'm correct on that one. The Caitlyn Jenner uh, route, right? And that will normalize this whole um, inversion to the conservatives as well as you know, yes. like they're yes. what they're doing for the Budweiser and the Dylan Mulvaney stuff. And I, I had on there, this one's very ugly, but I had on there that Dylan Mulvaney actually ends 365 days of girlhood and goes back to being a boy on there oh. because that's showbiz baby, you know, <laughs> like got to switch it up um, Interesting. <laughs> because how, how interested can people be in that, you know, for two years, it, the, the clicks, the views, not going to do it, but Actually, I went down a whole rabbit hole with the Dylan Mulvaney stuff and apparently from like a whole Illuminati family and did the Book of Mormon um, play right out of college and uh, which was a huge Broadway play and got a lead role in it. And um, and what was the other thing? I don't know. It just it, it left me whatever it was. But keep an eye on Dylan Mulvaney for all the corporate um uh, programming yeah. to normalize the transgender thing. Yeah, it's almost like the term normalize isn't, it's like not even quite correct anymore. It's it's already 
sort of been normalized you know it's uh i don't know we might need to don't need to look up the definition of normalized but it's it's almost as if the normalization is already complete um yeah yeah i did just do a quick little search on jeffree star and it is confusing uh <laughs> yeah it does not does not uh identify as trans and calls they them pronouns bs and Yes, some big things happening. Very there. androgynous, very yeah. androgynous to sell the makeup, right? Um, and actually, Jeffrey Star, why do I know this? Jeffrey Star is very good friends with Kanye West. So this is where all oh. the little bingo predictions meet, right? Yeah. Um, so I also have on there, oh, I, um, a treatment for COVID vaccine fallout. There will be a drug uh, that is introduced to the public to combat these um, blood clots and whatnot, the uh, mm, effects of the vaccine. Yeah. yeah Which that course. one I already hit. I already uh, filled that bingo card because somebody came out with that. Uh, I think Pfizer did a whole blood clot um, drug that is going to be introduced mid year. Oh, perfect. Perfect. How how, uh, how profitable for them. I'm really happy for right. them. You, you create the problem. You create the solution. Great. It's Works. like the whole virus thing, Bill Gates, the computer virus, and you sell the software to combat the virus as well. Yes. It's a, it's a proven model. Why in the world would anybody stray from the model? Yeah. That's what just, did y'all have on your bingo card? Now I want to look at it. I know. I'm pulling up mine right now, or, or pulling up all of ours. So if you go to com slash bingo, uh, you can see all the cards that have been made up. Uh, producer Grace did um, put together like a bunch of different versions. Because, you know, with bingo, it's one thing to, to have you know, a grid of cards or sorry, a grid, a grid of possibilities. But in order to effectively play bingo against someone, you can't really have the same cards. So our producer put together uh, five by five cards and uh, let's see here, I believe. Yeah. So they're five by five cards and there's like nine versions of the card. So the things in different places, but some of the fun uh ones here we have outlaw meat in restaurants okay might be a little ways away from that the, yours are extremely specific i i do like the extremely specific natures of yours but um let's see i had robot uh robot punches or harms a human and we actually did yeah. have uh, yeah. that one happen uh, in a manufacturing plant, a guy got knocked in the head by a robotic arm. I thought it was the kid who broke his finger. Maybe that was a different one. Oh, different. that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's definitely that was a big one. deal. The the chess the chess robot like broke the kid's finger yeah. when he did a move he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, right. Took revenge. Um, weaponized flippy because Spot mm. can't be so flippy. Of course, uh, Canary Cry people will know it's the robotic arm is sort of the colloquial robotic arm and we've definitely seen uh robotic arms be put into weaponized modes uh especially recently this is our 2022 card by the way um 
Let's see what else is on here. Do you have it pulled up, Guns? I do. Got- I, I'm not seeing CBDC in each country worldwide. I mean, we're getting. Oh there. yeah, I yeah. think you're gonna hit that. Yeah. I think <laughs> you're gonna get that, that one, one wasn't too hard to really uh, come up with, but uh, let's see. Uh, Kizzy spit- replaces Fauci. There's some interesting ones. Some Trump of these gets are back rich. on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, I think you're going to get that one, too, once his whole Truth Social uh, contract is up. Oh, there's a contract. Isn't Trump already back on Twitter? He's not posting, but he has his account back. Yeah, yeah, he does. I think he got his account back on YouTube, too. I was like, hey, Neil. The Neil's a new guy, you know, replacing Susan. Neil, what's Uh up, man? How come Trump can have his channel back, but but we can't? Let us know. Yeah, did you get an answer? No. (laughs) I think he blocked me. Weird. No, no. Um, governments have been communicating with aliens all along. That one's on there. That's maybe that's a, actually there's been some interesting move aheads in there. Um, move aheads. That's fun. Hmm. Let's see here. Space billionaire. Oh, some of these are a little a little. Uh, They're generic. Little generic. But hey, yeah. you know what? That's how you that's how you win. Um, so that's fun. Do you, do you share, uh, do you make those bingo cards available to your, your followers? Or do you have people playing along with you? Well, I, ha- I brought up my post on Instagram where I actually posted the bingo card and here are some, my, uh, some of my other predictions. Mm-hmm. Some of these are very optimistic and I don't know who wrote, <laughs> who wrote this. If it's so optimistic, Fauci arrested. Oh, Could that we is see very Fauci optimistic. Arrested this, yeah. this year. Um, Julian Assange charges dropped. Mm-hmm. He gets mm-hmm. to leave his room. He gets to <laughs> he gets to leave. Those are um, incredibly optimistic. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I have Ellen DeGeneres imprisoned. Oh, because I just feel like she's I feel like she's always on the verge of choking somebody out. She just has that kind <laughs> oh, yeah. of. It looks like that to me when I look at her and she just seems on the very tense on the verge of committing Mm -hmm. a crime. Speaking of which, Sam Britton escalation of crimes, the guy who keeps stealing women's luggage at the the airports who works for the Biden administration. I think he's going to go on a um, he's going to go on a pilfering spree, Uh, (laughs) not luggage anymore, like straight from home. The addiction gets worse. He's, he well, needs a you gotta hit. have the thrill. Like it's gotta be more of a thrill. Right. It's more of like a yeah. Um, I also have oh, I have President Biden removed from office. Oh, but then wow. Kamala you're, you're starting to sound like Q over there. It's like uh, Grace goodness. Anon over here. <laughs> but then I have some depressing ones as well, like the Greater Depression. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you might be right on that one too. Um. Speaking of depression, uh-huh. you mentioned earlier on, Grace, about the uh, the emotional effects that uh, being so engulfed in this kind of work can have, uh, you know, working on your book, the emotional toll of just entry after entry after entry of the uh, the trends and forces and cabals and agendas working against uh, working with each other and against the people type of thing. Um, what's been your experience with that? I mean, I know there's a lot of people we've heard from a lot of our listeners as well. You know, they'll apologize. They'll say, ah, oh, I had to stop listening for a while because it was just too much. I just needed to go yeah. normie for a little bit. Um, would you be open to sharing a little bit about your experience with that? 
Sure. I mean, y'all, y'all will know this when you make videos, you just focus on one topic at a time normally, or the, the culmination of one, one topic at a time, the Mm -hmm. timeline Mm -hmm. to set event. And so in that way, you can kind of compartmentalize things like you don't have all of these uh, events and people and agendas coalescing at once. So when you write a book and you're, you're compiling everything into these chapters it's like oh (laughs) everything actually happened everything is here and all these things happened and people suffered and the government was incredibly evil and things like that for example i i got really um down about the whole waco ruby ridge stuff even though i knew a lot about it before writing it all down researching i knew the general story but looking at the specific details of it and looking at it from like a like a perspective of the person that it happened to horrifying horrifying mm. the way the government has treated these people and um so yeah i mean <laughs> it was a little depressing to write this but um I hope it's not depressing to read all at once, but <laughs> that's the that's the thing. Like we we as people, we sort of avoid these details that are uh, that make us a little bit um, uncomfortable, and that's why a lot of people don't want to wake up. They don't want to research this information because they have to say to themselves, "Okay, everything I've been told." by my public school, by the news, a lot of it has been a lie. And confronting that is very difficult to do. And starting from square one is even more difficult saying, okay, maybe I need to change my stance on this completely. Maybe what I was told didn't actually happen. Maybe the details are way different. And um, so I, I definitely experienced that while writing the book. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It's really sort of, it's sort of an existential thing. You know, it's, it's a reality, you know, it's not just, oh, what a sad thing that happened. It's wow. Reality isn't what I once thought it was, which can be even more of a traumatic experience and, and not even traumatic in just like a, an acute way, but a chronic way of, oh, you know, the, the operating system by which everyone I know and love uh, is running on is not only not the same operating system that I'm running on, uh, but it is almost entirely fabricated. And not just that, they have no desire uh, to update it. You know, it's like when your computer is saying, like, hey, it's time for an update. You want to update? And you say, no, ask me tomorrow. Okay, it's tomorrow. You want to update? You want to update? We got some important stuff for you. Nah, put it off, put it off, put it off. Uh, And uh, I I think isolation, you know, isolating is a good way to, you know, isolation is a good way to describe how you can feel. But uh, isolating is not a good way to deal with it. That's why you no, should go <laughs> to Canary Cry meetups, folks. You need this. It's for your existential health. Yeah. 
Yeah. Make some friends, have some conversations, get it all out there. How therapeutic is it to meet somebody who is interested in the same thing and sees the world in a similar way, not the way that not and not the way the perspective that we're given on a silver platter, but in a more, um, you know, thoughtful way. Yeah, it's it literally feels like an act of God is how few and far between these experiences are in a real in real life you know you you'd almost call it a god-ordained meeting when you finally find somebody who actually like can have these types of conversations with you at least in your you know in your 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 meat meat space life and your in your regular social life it is uh i think whether for better or for worse, I think it f- at least feels like an act of God to find somebody like that. And I think we should really treat it that way. I think I think if we uh, considered meeting someone who is at least thoughtful enough to have these conversations in a respectful and, and in- inquisitive way, uh, we need to be thanking God for those people. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there is this uh, there's this person that comes to mind in my town. And as far as actionables in the apocalypse are concerned, like leading up to the ap- apocalypse, there's this house that I always pass um, on my way to Atlanta and they are on the main drag and have a, a new sign every time I drive by. And sometimes I put them on my Twitter because I love their signs. They're always super, super thoughtful. They ask a question. They're like, have you researched Ray Epps or um, what is CBDC? Mm. Stuff like that. So I love their sign so much. And I and I didn't want to be creepy and go up to their house or anything like I'm not trying to get shot over here. But I sent them a book and a note. And it turns out like they have their own little community going where you know they have they they have a lot of like minded people that they've met through having Twitter in their front yard, <laughs> mm, wow. and um, that's an amazing thing. I think that's a great example of how to find these people in real life and not actually engage with you know federal agents online. You can just <laughs> meet people in your community and have a good time. That is hilarious. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's there's a lot of reliance. There's a lot of great things about finding community online, but uh, uh, sometimes people can forget that it's also still a dangerous place. I feel like people who are our parents generation are the generation now who uh, take for granted the Internet uh, as far as uh, the people you're talking to and believing anything they say, uh, you know, we, us millennials grew up with all the warnings uh, about stranger danger on the Internet. And I find sometimes now that it's uh, the boomer generation who is being a little too trusting in who they're talking to on the Internet. Yeah, yeah interesting. <laughs> sure. flop. Yeah. For sure. yeah, you know, I, I I told the story a couple days ago on news talk as of this recording of going to a professional soccer game in, uh, in LA and the mascot kind of showing it's an alien mascot showing this, like she, he saw my daughter who's six and, you know, was sort of swooning over my daughter. And all I can think of was, this is how it starts. This is how Genesis six happened. Sons of God came down. Daughters of men. They had the Nephilim. This is all, this is it right here. 
Gans is positive that the soccer <laughs> team mascot is uh, is a nephilim, or at least he's some sort of dark. Trying to create, sort of he's giving passenger. nephilim vibes. Is yeah. he like well, freaky tall or something? No, 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 no. It's it's the alien that crashed, and they have a, the whole backstory. His name's Cosmo, and he crashed on Earth. He was looking. He was a professional soccer player on his planet or whatever. So, but you know, he's not human, so he can play major league soccer. So he became the mascot for the LA Galaxy. And no, he would be the one to mate with a human and create the Nephilim, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, that, that's all sure. I can think of. And I'm thinking to myself, there's 20,000 people in that stadium. And I, I did wonder for a moment, how, if I went up to all 20,000, how many would actually know about the Nephilim in Genesis 6? And you know, knowing the crowd, there probably would be some, obviously. At this point, I think the Nephilim thing is kind of out there, but still very, I don't know, fringe. Grace, what are your thoughts on the Nephilim? I think I've asked you before. But. <laughs> no, it's I a find topic. the Nephilim totally intriguing because it gives context to yeah. Genesis. It gives context to the flood. You have to know about them. Like, you have to know the whole DNA manipulation angle. And um, if you go into a crowd of 20,000, how many people would know? I don't know, 50? <laughs> That's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, 50. I would how be many impressed. people would know? Yeah, I'd be impressed if we can hit triple digits. Uh, but yeah, you have Nephilim nestled here between mRNA vaccines and Nikola Tesla. So you definitely cover it uh, in your book. So it's just another topic that I think it, 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 if you had to pick, let's say like two or three that are bigger tax on the board of conspiracy connection, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the system, what would they be mm-hmm. if, you, if you had to just introduce because, you know, you have Antarctica because it's an, it starts with a you have it as the fourth topic, which we've we've been covering Antarctica on news talk for a while, like some of the recent news yeah. and how they're shaping Antarctica to be this sort of uh, white desert uh, utopian kind of thing. Um, but if you had to choose two or three topics to somebody who's brand new, what topics would you choose? Oh, goodness. I. Obviously, 9-11. 9-11, you got to start with 9-11 because that, the emotional imprint that's left on everyone mm. who witnessed it. And as far as the fallout, we're still experiencing with the Patriot Act yeah. and getting molested at the airport and stuff like that. You have to know about 9-11 and you have to know all the angles, too, because there's so many. And um, I actually got an email this morning about someone who was disappointed that I didn't list all of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank you for emailing me with your disappointment. Um, but, you know, there's the whole the Bush family actually did security at the mm-hmm. airports and at the uh, n- the World Trade Center a year before uh, 9-11 occurred. And then you have the whole Le- Larry Silverstein angle, which is he took out the whole insurance on the Twin Towers um, only months before 9-11 happened. And that covered terrorism and he got something like seven billion dollars out of the whole whole ordeal, and he was supposed to die at the at the restaurant at the top of the towers. But he conveniently had an appointment that day. Mm. That so he he wasn't there, and lucky Larry. Um, a lot of the yeah lucky Larry. And then that whole interview where he's talking about World Trade Center Seven, mm-hmm. and he says, "Pull!" I the firemen were in the 
in the Twin Towers, in the like all the destruction, they told me there was so much devastation, so much loss of life, and um, said like World Trade Center Building Seven was totally lost. And I said, pull it, um, as to imply that the the Trade Center was rigged for demolition. Mm. So if one of them was rigged for demolition, can we can we assume that all three of them were? Yeah. Right. Um, which is definitely a question that gets raised. And a lot of people don't know a third tower fell that day. Um, yeah. And they don't know that the BBC <laughs> broadcast uh, called it, it 20 minutes before <laughs> yeah. it actually fell. And it's the whole thing is totally wild. And there are so many unexplored news stories around that day, like the George Washington Bridge plot, which is where they uh, locked down the bridge for, you know, a couple hours that day because a van carrying explosives was pulled over and um, they reported it and they just, I guess, don't talk about it anymore. They were like, actually, sorry, we, um, we got that wrong, but it, it did occur. It was documented. And then you have the dancing Israelis who were documenting the whole thing and um, dancing and seem to be celebrating the demolition of the towers or the, fall of the towers and um, they were tied to this moving company and it seemed to be Mossad and the FBI concluded that they were indeed tied to Mossad and then they dropped it. So um, a lot of that, a lot of people don't know about, you have the whole Israeli art students and um, who were in the building months leading up to that and several other angles about, you know, demolition and such. Uh, what is it? Jet fuel doesn't melt steel steel beams. You have Classic. the architects of <laughs> the um, in, engineers, engineers of 9-11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's all those angles. So that's one of them that people absolutely need to know about. Um, second, I think you need to know about vaccines because I wish I would have known mm-hmm. when I was growing up. I wish I would have known about vaccines. And I think a lot of mothers need to do this kind of research before they have children and decide if that's right for them. Um, As far as the ingredients in the vaccines, as far as the uh, childhood wellness schedule, these wellness visits that doctors tell you you need to do every six months. And I think I counted like 52 different strains of viruses that they inject your child with before they're five years old if you follow the whole vaccination schedule. And the vaccines themselves have um, this ingredient called, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I always want to call it WD-40, but it's (laughs) not that. Um, It is actually aborted fetus cells in every vaccine. And and um, like, why is that in there? <laughs> Wasn't it like why one, is that in there? I think it was it was one aborted fetus, and then they like basically created stem cells yeah, out of it, and now it's like yeah, yeah from the nineteen sixties. But right. does that make it better? I feel right. like it's extremely weird. I feel like it's extremely witchcrafty. Yeah. Like we've got a someone's toe in there too. You know, it's just extremely weird. Well, and it's certainly have, on sort of that occult level. It's got just a very strange. And when I say that, people, uh, everybody's got their own ideas about you know what it means to say something has sort of occult significance. But uh, if you take it from the occultists themselves, that would have some serious significance. 
Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. And especially them. And as soon as your child comes out, they want to inject them with vaccines, like as soon as they fly out of your womb. Right. So, th- I mean, that's something. And we can't forget about the whole SV40 tainted uh, polio vaccines that the FDA let get through. They knew that the vaccine seeds were tainted and they said, "Uh, no big deal. So they just let them fly out. And then Elvis went and was on TV. They paid him like 10 million bucks to get vaccinated on TV with this polio virus. And a bunch of the vaccines were tainted and um, in in the monkeys, in the monkey trials and the hamster trials, they caused all kinds of cancers within two weeks of being injected with a vaccine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. no further trials were done on people who received the vaccine. And since the vaccine was given to the entire population, we've gotten a huge uptick in childhood cancers and cancers across the board. So I guess that would be that would be number three, SB forty. You gotta you gotta know about that. Mm. Well, there you go, folks. Now you yeah. know where to start. Yep. 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 Well, Grace, thank you for being here. Is there anything else that's really on your heart or your mind that you want to share before we get on out of here? Hmm. Well, um, I just wanted to say that, you know, I Thank you so much for having me on here. I can't believe it's been six years since we last did our show. It doesn't feel like that long, does it? Yeah, it does. But it was a different world, wasn't it? It was it was such an innocent time. 2017 Pedogate, Pizzagate, you know, it seems so innocent now. (laughs) Kind of crazy. We were just seeing the start of the acceleration. It's I mean, those were major stories that took months and months to absorb and cover. They existed for so long in the news cycle. And now it's like. We would have a story like that now, and it'd be a Monday story. Yeah, right. It's out. It's outdone by Wednesday. Yeah. 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 As the world economy shifts over and uh, they're causing a great reset, we get to sit here and podcast. So I guess we are blessed, Basil, day by to day, be able to do it day by day. Where can people find your no. work? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say on the topic of all the doom and gloom and great reset stuff, I don't think that it is inevitable that it will that it will happen. I think we are witnessing the snowball effect of everything. I think we mm-hmm. are kind of in the path of the free falling boulder, but through shows like yours and um, different expressions of this information, we can definitely tell people to stand out of the way of the free falling boulder and not get hit by it, you know, because we have done all this research. They've told us what's going to happen. They've told us what's going down. And, um, you know, you can only wake up so many people, but I think it's worth every effort, but it's a badge of honor to be run over by the boulder. Okay. No, don't you get, have to don't get you, squished by the boulder. You'll, your, you'll get a yeah. name on a stone later after you're gone. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you make a great point. It's um, especially doing kind of the work that uh, we do and you do. It's it's easy to look at the numbers and think, oh, my goodness, the 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 boulder is so big and it's coming right <laughs> at us and it's coming so fast and society as a whole is standing right in the way. Uh, but something that always helps me is to remember that 
society is made up of individuals. Society as a whole may be standing or right in the boulders path, but society is made of individuals and every single individual listening to this right now and partaking of uh, our other work, your other work, lots of other uh, people's work. Those are individuals who can step out of the way. And not only that, but those individuals can start uh, telling the people standing around them. Uh, you know, it's not just about podcasters or YouTubers or anything like that, people, or even authors, although they are the most respected of us all. <laughs> uh, but it's about every single person is not just a consumer of the information. Uh, that's what the world wants you to be people, person listening to this right now. The world wants you to be a consumer of the information. They want you to be a a, a tick on the view count. They want you to be a CPM on the ad revenue. They want you to be a part of the whole. And that's what the message, the dominating message of the world right now is you are all one. You are all one, but you are not all one, dear listener. You are one, and the person standing next to you is one, and one can tell another one what's coming, and both can get out of the way. So it is not just our calling uh, as podcasters or crazy people on the internet. It is everybody's calling. This knowledge, the second you're given the truth, you become a carrier of the truth, and it's not worth being a carrier of the truth unless you're a giver of the truth. And you don't have you don't have to start a YouTube channel. You don't have to start a podcast. You do have to consider the people around you, whether you like them or not. Uh, you got to consider them around you and let them know that a boulder is coming straight their way. And you'll mess up and you'll offend some people and some people won't listen to you but we can all three of us on this call right now can tell you dear listener that 10 years from now you will not regret committing yourself to the truth and uh maybe in 10 years those people will come back and say well you were right my goodness what podcast are you listening to and you'll tell them this podcast and get them (laughs) listening please uh but besides that it is is really this awesome calling for every single person uh, who receives the truth to then give the truth away in whatever way f- is right for them. Um, so it is an active, it's a movement. It's not entertainment. It's an active participation in what's going on in the world right now. And every single person has a part to play in it. And really graceful. I'm so happy that you answered that call and are participating in the way that God's called you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think y'all do a great job. I think there's always hope, even when we're faced with such uh, bleak sort of uh, future that they've told us about. I think there's always hope. There's always the curveball. There's always the divine intervention. You don't know what's going to happen next, but I always, I always uh, hold out hope for that. So. Amen. 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 Well, will you tell people where they can find more of your work as if they didn't already know? But how can people uh, either find your work or get in contact if that's something you do or get the book more likely? Uh, Tell us about that. 
Sure. You can go to reallygraceful.com and you can see my videos there. I have all my social media link there and you can also buy the book on there. You can go there and read about, um, read the synopsis of the book and see all the links to where to purchase. You should do it, folks. You should do it. It's a resource. It's mm-hmm. just a resource to have. Uh, and it's wonderfully done. It's what Gans and I wish we had done. Uh, but we're so happy that uh, such a wonderful person. You still should. Just do call. it. Yeah, we'll just, we'll do we'll just plagiarize really we'll graceful. We'll slap our <laughs> canary cry faces on the book and we'll just call I, it our own. I have been, I want to ask you what you think about this really graceful because I, uh, I have been kicking around an idea and working on putting something together and it's similar to what you've done, but it is a guidebook for how to communicate with the conspiracy theorist in your life. And it's a book that, uh, fringy people can give to their friends and family to help them understand, not just, you know, try to explain conspiracy theorists or whatever, but try to help people communicate about these things instead of just getting mad and yelling at each other. You should do that. People okay. need that perspective. That doesn't exist. You, I mean, you're providing something that doesn't exist that's needed. You should do it. Okay, there you go, folks. You heard it. You heard it. Grace herself is telling me to do it. So uh, certainly that brings the timeline at least 10 years sooner than it would have been. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let you go Whoa. for real this time. Okay. We've got babies screaming babies in the screaming. background. Yep. Really graceful. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and with your knowledge and with your voice. Well, thank you. Thanks for being so great. Thank you for the wonderful conversation. And uh, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, there you go, folks. We hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, really, I mean, what a special opportunity for us Gons. Not only do we get to put out uh, some important information and, and uh, from a delightful creator uh, and an important person in the community, but also reconnect with a friend. It's always fun. That's one of the things I'm maybe most excited about for keeping Canary Cry Radio going after our experimental period here is the opportunity to reconnect with so many great human beings that we've met over the years. So go check it out, folks. The Deep State Encyclopedia. Get your copy. Support Really Graceful. Follow her work. It is of the utmost importance. And while you're at it, if you are someone who appreciates that Canary Cry Radio is back with the interview episodes. We'll also be bringing back the uh, produced topical episodes where it's become absolutely clear that we need to continue doing this. We don't know exactly what that schedule will look like. We think the every couple week thing definitely works, but we'll be exploring other versions of that schedule. Uh, But if you want Canary Cry Radio to continue, I would say a great way to do that to ensure that uh, this valuable podcast, if indeed this show is valuable to you, if it is valuable to you, consider becoming a producer. Like I always say, you can produce with your time, your talent, or your treasure. It's not all about money. There's a lot of ways to get involved and keep the show going because uh, this is not a traditional piece of media. This is not only is the content not traditional, but the structure is not 
traditional. It does. We don't rely on traditional streams of income to pay the bills. We don't. Uh, we don't get involved with corporate money or corporate interests, which unfortunately is all too easy to do. They make it very easy to do. Uh, but we feel very strongly that we are called to separate ourselves from those economic systems. Uh, so if the show is to survive, it is because producers produce. You can uh, head on over to canarycry.support to check that out. But I would suggest one of the best ways to keep the show going is by going to canarycrysupplydrop.com. Canarycrysupplydrop, where we will be sending out every quarter a shipment, a package filled with custom-created, producer-produced, artist-designed, made-in-America Canary Cry gear, including, we're so happy to continually announce, hard copy, DVD copies of the Age of Deceit documentary series by yours truly, not me, but my truly, Gons. <laughs> so uh, if, you don't, if you haven't seen Age of Deceit, you definitely want to. I mean, if you're listening to this show and you haven't seen or heard Age of Deceit, you're going to love it. It'll be the number one documentary you've ever seen. Uh, and if you have seen Age of Deceit, which many of you have, you're probably wondering why you haven't already gotten a DVD copy and secured that perfect piece of media uh, and protected it from online censorship, from deplatforming, all the things that it has suffered over the years. It's not very easy right now to watch it even online. It keeps getting taken down. Uh, Gans kind of has to hide it in, in weird secret little channels. Uh, but that's why the hard copies are so important. Uh, so join the network of Canary Cry agents who will have in their hands DVD copies of Age of Deceit 1, 2, and 3, which means by first quarter of 2024, Age of Deceit 4 will be coming next. Ooh. Thank you so much to the producers uh, who produced this show. We are recording this intro uh, a day before, and so we don't have a complete list of all the producers that will have participated in keeping this one alive, but we promise we'll thank you uh, on the next Canary Cry News Talk episode. And please, consider becoming a producer at canarycry.support or send us an email at canarycryradio at gmail.com and just tell us you want to get involved. As far as keeping Canary Cry Radio alive, we do need producers to help with production, not just financially, but with artwork, with uh, uh, scheduling, with administrative tasks, with all, perhaps even editing. Gans has expressed the desire to perhaps even get more hands on the editing of Canary Cry Radio, which has always been a wonderful part of the show. The production quality, the editing, especially of our topical episodes. These are all things that you can participate in uh, if the show brings value to your life. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then, think outside the cage. <laughs>